Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. You know, I'm still not the finished product. As you said, there's still people that aren't going to like me or, or respect me and things like that, and that's fine. I can't, I can't force people to do that. But what I will be doing is continuing to try and improve as not only a footballer but a human being too and hopefully one day people can look back on my career and say he went from being a, a bit of a brat to a role model and if that's where, what people remember me for I'll be I'll be stoked with that too. Down the blind, Welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Today, I'm lucky enough to bring you part two of our Jackson Hastings interview. This part starts at the end of his Roosters career. James Maloney's been told he can leave the building. There's been a lot of faith put in Jackson Hastings and a lot of pressure put on some young shoulders. He talks about how he dealt with that and his relationship with some of the other Roosters players and coaching staff. He then has to make the move to Manly. He had to learn some hard lessons in that move, but little did he know there was even harder lessons still to come. He talks about his experiences over at Manly, his involvement with Daly Cherry Evans and his relationship with Trent Barrett. The thing I appreciated the most about Jackson Hastings during this chat is that he was honest. He is brutally honest and he's not pointing fingers. He owns his mistakes and that's what I absolutely love about this bloke. It all went to shit in Manly and he was essentially left with no options. That's when his journey to England starts and it's one of the most incredible stories you will hear. This is a guy you'll be seeing back in the NRL over the next two or three years in my opinion and he's going to do really special things. An honest, raw fellow who I've got all the time in the world for. Stay tuned over the next few days. We'll have some bonus content coming with Jackson Hastings which I think you'll really enjoy. For now though, let's kick it off. Here is Hastings now. Hastings, oh, trying to get away. He has got away. You wanted action from Hastings. Hastings, lovely ball to Bibby. And Bibby can he... Cherry and White Blair. And Hastings has left it to last to show his drive. Mate, obviously 2015 rolls around. 2014, it's your first year in the Roosters system. Uh, you know, you're finding your feet. What's the difference for you leading into 2015? My role within the team, I, I sort of knew that I was going to be... Uh, well, not knew. I didn't expect. I just sort of had an inkling that I was more of an important figure in the team and, and that wasn't obviously playing six or seven that was just being within the squad and on the bench or being considered every week and I knew I had to put a couple of kilos on and 
I got way heavier, I got stronger, I got fitter, and I just got more confident with the fact knowing that Robbo believed in me and, and was willing to put me into the game in, in critical moments and stuff like that. And then obviously, I didn't just train at six or seven, I trained at nine, I trained at one, I trained all over the just trained all over the park in case in case the team needed me and then yeah that year rolled around and had that was probably my best year in first grade to be honest and I was I was 19 uh was I 19 yeah 19 years old and it was definitely my best year in first grade um obviously Piercy got injured in round 20 oh, I can't remember three I think or four no 20 round 22 or something like that against the Broncos I remember it at Allianz and um yeah, that's when I got my chance to play halfback and that's when I really thought I was going to kick on and have a successful run there at the Roosters. Have you still got that uh, first jersey that you wore seven in? Yeah, definitely do. Um, that was a proud moment for sure. That's um, that's what I dreamt about. Like, you know, when you talk about the father-son thing and all the rest of it, but like, you are not a, you don't play first grade to, to wear number 18 or anything like that. You, you want to eventually become that starter. And um, yeah, I definitely do still have that seven jersey for sure. Mate, uh, one guy we haven't spoken about is your 5'8 in this side. Now, James Maloney, well-known for being a larrikin, um, extremely confident fella. And I always think with James Maloney that, you know, if he wouldn't have had as much success as he's had, I think people would have absolutely hated Maloney in the way that he carries on sometimes. But success, it changes the perception of people completely sometimes. Did you see a little bit of yourself in James Maloney at times? Um. Oh, kind of. I, I, I was a bit more serious than than Jimmy. Jimmy was just one of them people that you have to have in your team. You have to have a person like that. And um, what Jimmy brought was he has the ability to be that larrikin, but to, to switch on straight away. And when we trained, he was the, the leader. He was the, the focal point. Like He was the loudest talker. And then when we got on the field and a team had scored against us, he'd bring us in and he'd be the one to to rally us around. So like people do see that larrikin side of Jimmy, but as you said, he's a fierce competitor, mate for a bloke that plays a, I don't really know how heavy he is. 86, maybe 88 kilos. The way he competes and plays and, and wins at every level and every club he goes to, I think is a credit to himself. But I think playing with him, um, he took a lot of pressure off me. He took it upon himself to make sure that he was a dominant half. Everything sort of ran through him. And then I, would, I could just filter in when I needed to, but, I've got a lot of respect for the way that Jimmy um, introduced me to first grade and helped me out. He took a lot of pressure off me. He made me relaxed. Just his vibe and his energy made me feel relaxed and confident at the same time too. And every single person in our team respected him as well. And I suppose if you're as confident as that and, and you can carry on like that and you've got three premierships playing for Australia in Origin, Origin Series under your belt, I think you're entitled to sort of be how you want to be. But um, yeah, tremendous leader. I think the side of people that only the players that play with him will be able to say, but tremendous leader, tremendous father, definitely a role model and someone that um, helped introduce me to playing halfback in first grade for sure and, and really helped me out. What's your uh, What's your funniest memory of uh, Jimmy when you're at the Chooks? I just, just oh, there's so many, man. Like he just lit up a room when he walked in, bro. Like if if we're having a serious conversation and like it was getting a bit awkward, then Jimmy would walk into the room and make a funny comment and everyone would crack up and then that's the end of it and, um, or when we were roommates, he'd just tell me to put the. He just if I was closest to the remote, he'd say hurry up and put the the horses on, and yeah, have a bit of a punt and things like that too. He's just he's just an all round good bloke, mate. Like just someone you need in your squad. Good energy, good vibes, and as I said, the most important thing that I learned from Jimmy as I as I've got a bit older, he's a great dad, mate. Like he used to bring his his young fellow into training, and 
Um, they used to do everything with the boys and like bring him to lunches and coffees. And and as I get to 25 and, and hopefully I start a family of my own in the near future, that like people like that and, and witnessing that as a kid is, is how you want to be as a dad. So I've got all these great memories as Jimmy as a footballer, but also as a parent and um, got a lot of admiration for, for him and the way he goes about his life. Now, mate, it's for me that this season, as you said, this was probably your best season of footy. And the one thing I remember from this season is the amount of confidence you had in your kicking game. There was a number of moments there where I remember, you know, seeing you have an opportunity that a pass probably would have done the job, but you just seemed so confident in your kicking game that, you know, where you could get away with a pass, I felt like you were leaning towards a kick. And I mean, I think for some people, they sort of, you know, once again, bringing that word up again, saw it as like an arrogant sort of approach to footy. But, you know, for me, it just looked like you were so confident in your kicking game that you were just backing in any day of the week. Just, I was just carefree, man. Like, I was a 19-year-old kid. Um, I had so many good players in my team. And I just thought, like, I, I wasn't thinking. That's that's the when I play my best football, to be honest. And, like, I remember I remember the kick you're talking about. I think it was a Melbourne Storm game in the semifinal when I probably should have just went to the – like, passed the Fergo and he would have tipped it onto Skidzy and scored in the corner. But I, I, I kicked it. And I remember, um, I remember the crowd just went dead quiet. And as he caught it, they all erupted again. But like, even me at that moment in time, the risk reward wasn't even a like wasn't even a factor in my head. It was just like I'm going to kick this because it's the quickest way to get the ball from A to B. And that's the way I thought about the game, and that's why I was playing such good football at the time. I was just a young 19 year old kid that not didn't care about the repercussions, but wasn't scared to fail. If you know what I mean, like I wasn't worried if I kicked out of the full, or I wasn't worried if I dropped it. I was just attacking the game and attacking the moments within the game, and. And that's something I lost. I will probably go into it, but the year after, I lost that. I turned into like structured robotic and and, and was too worried about stuffing up and that just completely ruined the way I was playing. But that year in particular, mate, I just... Robbo just wanted me to be me. I couldn't be Piercy. Piercy plays the game at such an elite level. As a 19-year-old kid, I couldn't do that. So he needed to just show faith in me and what I could do. And he, he knew that I was going to back myself and I went out there and I did that and um, for that year, I just went on that hot run. I think we won. I think we won nine in a row, yep. including semi-finals, until we got dished up at Suncorp by the Bronx. So, um, yeah, it's a rich vein of sort of form that I'll remember forever as a 19-year-old kid. I, re- I really enjoyed that phase of my career, and um, obviously wish it went on for a lot longer. And I, I could have continued playing great footy for that club, but at the end of the day, it didn't really work out like that. But yeah, just had confidence in my ability and just backed myself um, regardless of what the outcome was going to be. Now, mate, up until this point in your career, you know, you've had a heap of compliments come your way. But for me, this is probably the greatest compliment that the Roosters are allowing James Maloney to leave the building. They've got full confidence in you to wear that six jersey. That must have been an amazing feeling. It was weird. It was a weird feeling because um, I touched touched the, um, on this to you before we, we started. It was one of them where, like, yeah, it was unbelievable to know that the club back here, but at the same time, I was excited for the opportunity and, and couldn't wait to get my chance. But then I also didn't know mentally if I was ready for the challenges and, and pressures of that. Um, with that, And obviously, Jimmy had won a comp at the Roosters. We'd won three minor premierships in a row with him at six. You know, statistically, every week he was good. I was taking over the goal kick and There were so many things that came along with Jimmy leaving that I didn't know if I was ready for. And obviously, as it turned out, mentally I wasn't it all sort of come crashing down for me. But obviously when it all sort of came about, 
was pumped for the opportunity and, and, and ready to step up. And then obviously a few incidents had happened and it didn't probably turn, turn out the way we wanted as a club. But I remember my first chance to play, we went over to England and I, I wore seven, Jaden Nicarim wore six, uh, Fergo was one and um, Latrell was on the wing. And I remember that and we went over there and we smashed the Helens in the, the World Club Series. And I thought, right, we're in for a big year here. Our young kids are going to, you know, just play that carefree style of football and um, teams won't know how to prepare for us. And then it just went the complete opposite way from the moment the ball got kicked off against the Rabbitohs in round one. And, you know, I found myself um, out the exit door pretty quick. Mate, obviously that season, uh, your halves partner, Mitchell Pierce gets himself into a little bit of Barney rubble. Uh, we all know that story on Australia Day. And how did... Yeah. How did that affect you? I imagine losing... I mean, you're obviously... You've, you've lost James Maloney, one, but then to lose Piercy, that must have been catastrophic for you. Yeah, it was catastrophic in the fact that, like, I cared about him as a person, first and foremost, and, and obviously the the circus with the media and stuff like that and how I saw that affect him mentally and, um, you know, that was shattering as one for one. But then from a rugby league sort of thing, um, it was like, right, this is... You're, you're in the driver's seat now, like this is your team, you've got to come up with plays and you've got to be the dominant leader, uh, not dominant leader, but like dominant voice and and get the team around the park and, and all the rest of it. And I just, as I said, as a 19-year-old kid, mentally, I don't think I was ready for that. It's no one's fault. Um, it's no one else's fault at all that that had happened. It's just the way it panned out. And if I had starred in that situation, who knows, I, could, I might still be there playing, playing halfback, but it didn't. Um, we didn't go very well. You know, I had moments in games where I did play did play well and we'd just lost and we'd still lost. And at the Roosters, that's not good enough. It's a club that um, expects to win every time they step on the field. And as a halfback, I didn't deliver the results. And, yeah, I sort of um, paid the price. I got dropped um, to under-20s. I went back to under-20s. And um, Connor Watson played alongside Piercy and absolutely brained it. And I never got my chance again. And it was weird because that... Silver lining that year, we went on and won the under-20s comp. I wasn't actually allowed to play in the grand final because I didn't qualify, but I just had a lot of fun going back and playing with kids my age and um, a lot less pressure and just enjoying my rugby league again and then being part of a team that won that 20s grand final. I think in that team, there was Nat Butcher, Victor Radley, Joseph Manu, um, Puasa. Who else was there? Johnny Tuovasa-Shek was in that side. Johnny Tuovasa-Shek, Grant Garvey. Paul Momorowski. That uh, was the uh, that was the grand up. final. They were down by thirty odd, and they came back, yeah. didn't they? Yeah, I remember I was in the sheds, and um, Auntie, our coach, just just looked at him and uh, just walked in and threw his um, clipboard and just said, "F and figure it out." And they went back out there and they killed it and won the grand final too. So, yeah, so it was a silver lining in what was a tough year, mate. And um, I sort of knew that I was on the out from the club anyway, obviously getting dropped and, and not getting my chance back in first grade and, and things like that. And it was a tough year for the club all year round. And um, obviously, yeah, that's when I sort of um, didn't really make the choice. The choice was made for me and ended up parting ways. Now, mate, obviously, you know, the Roosters, they're not here to fuck spiders. I always say the Roosters, they're in the premierships business, not the friends business. If they don't believe that you're the halfback to lift a trophy for them next year, you know, you'll soon find your way out onto your ass, which you've seen with Kyle Flanagan this year. How did you deal yeah. with it at the time? Oh, well, mate, I had months of in the back of my head, sort of without anyone telling me. I, I kind of knew. Um, I kind of knew that I wasn't in the plans or I could. I had an inkling. So when it sort of 
got told to me, I wasn't shocked. I think obviously in Kyle's situation, he played the whole year in first grade and, and done bloody well, I thought. You know, like he couldn't have done much more than what he did. He, um, you know, kicked well, got him around the park, all the rest of it. But obviously they didn't see something in him, in him that they didn't like. And um, for me, it was completely different. I sort of knew it was coming. So I was able to prepare mentally for it. But still, when I um, got told I wasn't needed for preseason and I had to drive to Wyong, Four, four evenings a week, that's when it got tough mentally for sure. And then um, just staying with it and, and trying to keep myself in a good headspace was hard. But at the same time, I was playing footy for Wyong and, and, and training the preseason too. So, yeah, the travel got to me a little bit. But um, in terms of leaving the club, I, I sort of knew it was on the cards. Uh, how did Manly come about, mate? After about three months at Wyong, like I just thought I was going to spend the year there and and just play my footy up there and just hope for an opportunity somewhere. And um, got a phone call just before Christmas um, off my manager and he just said, you know, Manly, uh, keen to have a chat. And it was just a quick sort of like, uh, we feel like there's a spot for you here um, going forward. Obviously, Blake Green was there. They didn't know how long he was going to be there and they were going to obviously try and partner uh, me and Cherry. Well, that's what I thought was going to happen anyway. And that's what we sort of, that's how we thought it was going to pan out there. And, um, yeah, signed the dotted line and, and started after Christmas that, that next year. Mate, um, I had Dylan Walker on my podcast at the start of the year and he spoke about when he left South Sydney, arrived at Manly, he couldn't believe the facilities at the place. He said it was like going back to yeah. club football. Was it a bit of a shock for you as well? Actually, like, um, obviously the, the demandables are there and I've done camps and, and junior rep team camps at um, Narrabeen there and, and, you know, they're not the greatest in the world. Um which makes the club impressive at the same time because they've won comps. Like I got told stories when they used to win the comp um, and they didn't have showers set up, so I'd just use a hose in between sessions um, outside and then get changed and use a hose and jump back in their car and go home too. So it's pretty remarkable. Um, they were so successful for such a long time um, with the lack of resources they did have at the club. But, yeah, going from the Roosters to Manly was definitely a bit of a shock and, I didn't really know what to expect, obviously. But, yeah, it was going back in time a little bit. But at the same time, it, it brought you back to you're not giving everything. You've got to be able to earn it. And, and knowing the people that come before you in that Manly jersey that were were able to win comps and, and play for grand finals nearly every year with lack of resources made you want to do that too. So there's always a silver lining. Um, but, yeah, it definitely walks us right there with um, in terms of going back in time from, from where we both sort of come from. Mate, I imagine for you arriving at Manly, it must have been a pretty special moment to be coached by Trent Barrett. I imagine as a Dragons junior when you were coming through as a kid, you know, he was the guy. Yeah, mate, yeah. He was a fantastic player. Um, you know, obviously what what's taken place has taken place, but I'll never knock the fact that Trent, Trent's one of the best 5'8s running around. Um, it's funny that I'm playing for, for Wigan. Obviously, he played 5'8 at Wigan and all the fans... Um, tell me that he's the best 5'8 the club's ever had and things like that too. So, um, yeah, mate, of course, being a Wollongong junior and watching Baz run around as a kid, he was someone that we all sort of idolised and, and had a lot of respect for. So, yeah, to be able to play under him and, and to learn from him was something that really attracted me to the club, obviously, and something that I was really keen for. And, um, yeah, you, can def- you definitely can't take away from the football he was, that's for sure. Mate, you, uh, you play your first game for Manly. I believe you score a try in your first game. Yeah, I, I got it gifted to me. I think... Um, Turbo done what Turbo does and just made a break and then I was just pushing up the middle and he, he just drew him past and I scored a little easy one under the post. But yeah, we won. So that that was great, obviously. 
Mate, you played that night. I'm just having a look at the team list now. You played the Cowboys featuring Thurston and Kalen Ponga. Um, yeah. I imagine that must have been a pretty scary prospect. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I hadn't had much luck going up to Dairy Farms. I think I'd been up there twice and got smacked twice. So um, we went up there and I remember Tom got a head knock in the first 10 minutes. So I played about 15 to 20 minutes at fullback. I remember JT doing these low little darting kicks and I was like, fucking old. I'm going to have to pick these up all night. And I just, I kept looking over to see if Turbo was going to get back on. He, he finally come back on. But then uh, when I went to hooker, obviously the game becomes a lot easier and you're in the middle. You're just sort of narrow-minded, making tackles and, and pass off the ground. But yeah, playing against JT is always special, mate. And then um, KP was sort of taking the, the league by storm. Then, you know, he was the, obviously the next best thing and obviously he still is to this day, but that's when he really burst onto the scene and become the player he was. So, yeah, it was definitely a tough um, task going up there to play against the Red Hot Cowboys side. I think well, they had Michael Morgan um, at the peak of his powers and two, uh, Tamalala, obviously we know what he does, Gavin Cooper. So they had a they had a fair squad, mate. Mate, you mentioned those kicks that Thurston used to do and, you know, I, I don't have any stats on it, but... I'd love to know if there's anyone that has more forced dropouts from beyond the 30-meter line. Those kicks he used yeah. to put in, they just looked awkward as all hell. He used to he used to um, trap him in goal himself, so he'd kick and chase and he'd make the tackle, which makes it even more... Sort of what Brett Kamala used to do from about 60 mm. out when he used to do those low punching kicks. And he'd yeah, slide kicking and through the, tackle, the line, but... not over it. It's hard to defend. <laughs> yeah, I think besides JT, probably Adam Reynolds would have the most. Um, he's, he's, he's a freak at how he can get the ball in behind the line and and force a dropout. So, yeah, JT just went about completely different than everyone else. And I suppose that's why he's um, going to be the next immortal, I think, and and someone that we hold in the highest regard. Now, mate, obviously you, you play 2017 at Manly. You play, you know, nine or ten games or whatever. Now, 2018 rolls around. And this season, uh, I mean, it's almost like you didn't wear a Manly's jersey. It all happened up in Gladstone. Tell me the story with DCE from your perspective. I made it, like obviously won't jump too much into it and bring up something that happened um, a lot of years ago. All I'll really say is we both made a poor choice that night. Um, we both made a silly decision and it ended up biting me on the ass. Um, that's really all I'll say about it. Um, there's definitely some untruths that um, they got printed in the paper and, and spoke about on the news and, and people that had no idea were talking about a situation that they had no knowledge of and um i sort of sat back and probably wore a lot of things that i didn't have to and i just wanted the situation to go away but um obviously um got flicked to to blackdown and got this massive thing made out of something that didn't need to be so big and um yeah look that was probably the hardest that's probably been the hardest stage of my my whole life to be honest apart from losing my nana and, and friends to um to, to suicide that that's definitely the hardest that's probably the hardest chapter of my life ever um had tv crews at the front of my house couldn't walk and get a coffee for three weeks wasn't allowed to go to training um drove to blacktown from manly which is like an hour 40 um four four afternoons a week to train um yeah it just um it turned my world upside down mate to be honest and i said i had people speaking on a situation they had no idea about and, and making a story out of absolute rubbish and it was all going against me and then all of a sudden the narrative changed and and it turned on daily and it had nothing to do with the actual situation. I, I just thought it was more of a personal thing from the coach to me and, um, yeah, I suppose the rest was sort of was history. I, I got the punt and um, 
yeah, I had to deal with the fact that um, I had to get my life back in order and my career back in order. I thought at that stage it was over my career. I just, um, yeah, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what was coming next. I was just so caught up in this moment of, of sadness and confusion and frustration that I just didn't know what the next step was going to be for me and my life and my career. And I'm just glad that I'm sitting here talking to you now and it all sort of kind of worked out for not only myself, but Daly. You know, Daly's, Daly has a young family too, so I'm glad that it's worked out for him. Um, he's went on to Captain Queensland, win Origin Series to play for Australia too. So I'm happy that we're both able to have moved on from the situation, um, both put it behind us and both become better players and, and hopefully people from, from the experience for sure. Mate, you mentioned before you obviously respect Trent Barrett as a player a lot. Bloke to bloke, yeah. did you mend that relationship or is it has it really not been sorted out? I, um, the thing that disappointed me about it was I didn't speak to him through the whole process. He didn't say a word to me and um, that sort of disappoints me a little bit because um, I would have been willing to, to sit down and accept it. Like I'm, I'm, a, I'm a man, I've, I've, been in, I've been in a fair bit of trouble in my life before and I've always wore it on the chin. So just had an open conversation with him and cleared the air, I, I guess it would have been fine. But to hear nothing, to hear nothing from him was pretty disappointing. Um, but yeah, I'm not going to sit here and bag him, mate. If I if I walk past him in the street and he said hello, look, I'd probably say hello. Um, I was always probably reluctant for the last year or so, and 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 thought, nah, I'd never do that. But at the same time, one of these things that have happened, I, I heard Trent do a, a bit of an interview about it not long ago when he got the Bulldogs gig, and it, it seems like he's learned a lot about himself as a as a man manager and a person too. So, look, um, although I don't agree or don't appreciate the way he went about it and the way I felt like he tried to to drag me through a bit of stuff that I didn't need to. I also appreciate that humans make mistakes and, and the fact that he's admitted to to making a few of them himself and he was man enough to admit that in front of front of the camera and to, to the public. So, you know, I take I tip my hat to him for that. And as I said, I'm I'm never gonna be his best mate, but at the same time, man to man and bloke to bloke, I respect the fact that we both stuffed up, we both made poor decisions and in the end it cost us both our job too so it's not like um, he's still there and, and having all this success he obviously went to Penrith and, and done done great things for Nathan and things like that too so look all the best to him I'm, I'm never going to say a bad word about him um, I, I moved on I'm comfortable where I'm at and I know he's comfortable where he's at and um, I wish him um, all the success in the world at the Bulldogs because as I said we're humans and we fuck up mate so it is what it is. Good luck to him. And um, I'm sure we'll cross paths again one day and um, we'll see how we go. Well handled. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mate, now you get to obviously that season. It's a career low for you, as you mentioned, and... You know, you're probably the most popular reserve grade player in the country. I mean, I'm not sure if there was a reserve grader that anyone was talking more about than Jackson Hastings at that point. And you're looking for where your career is going to go next. Now, the opportunity to go to Salford comes up. Now, I imagine a kid from the Illawarra, 
going over to England to play for Salford. I mean, you mentioned to me but, uh, before we started recording that you had no fucking idea where Salford was. I think that's the majority of us. How did that opportunity come about? Um, as I said, I was just sitting there scratching my head. What, what am I going to do? Um, I just tr- was training on my own in a PCYC, um, just kicking the footy around. And like, mate, you have all sorts of thoughts go through your head. Am I ever going to get a chance again? Um, you know, I just kept, obviously, I tried to avoid Twitter and all that, but it just hits you in the face. Like people saying, you'll never play in the NRL again. Um, hates him. Like all this stuff, like all this negative energy was coming my way. And I just didn't know when I was going to end. Like, there was just a wave of like destruction. I felt like around me, and I felt like my whole life was literally falling apart. Like I put every ounce of energy I had into being a professional footballer, and and making one stupid decision on a night, it, it just felt like my whole world was falling apart. Anyway, um, about two months later, I got a phone call of Sammy again, and he said, "Oh, mate, I've got a I've got a place for you in England if you if you want to go over and have a crack." And I was like, "No chance, fuck that, no way." Um, it was actually the Huddersfield Giants first. Um, that offered me a contract Simon Wolford offered me a contract he said no chance man I'm not going to England not, not leaving my dogs and that here I'm, I can't do it anyway he goes sleep on it and get back to me anyway he rang me two nights later I said Sammy I'm not going mate like I, I, I'm not putting myself in that position I want a, another crack in the NRL and he pretty much said mate you're not going to get a, like, he, he didn't say it like this but he pretty much said you're not going to get another crack here and that was the, the that's what I needed to hear I needed to I needed the blunt message of all right, you can sit here and play reserve grade or you can go over there and try and make something of yourself. And that's when I had I had Huddersfield and Salford. And then I just remember um, getting in touch with Watto, Ian Watson, the Salford coach. Um, and he explained how he, he thinks he could help me revive not only my career, but be a better person and, and help me do things in the community and things like that where people would learn to love me. And um, signed the dotted line about a week later and made the jump and, um, it was the best career move I've ever made in my life and I'm just extremely grateful not only my ma- manager for sorting it out and sourcing it but obviously the Salford Red Devils would give me the opportunity to go to England and, and play for, for a club that I didn't know nothing about now I hold deeply in my heart and, and um, have some great times along the way Mate, I think if I gave 18-year-old Jackson Hastings a piece of paper and I said, hey, write me down the top 1,000 clubs you'd want to go to I don't reckon Salford Red Devils would get a start on there I definitely not. I did, I, as, as you said, like it's a city of Manchester, and I just had no idea where it was, bro. Like no idea where it was placed. Um, oh, sorry, they'll get angry at me for saying the city of Manchester. It's it's its own sub. It's its own city. All right. So for all those Salford fans that are going to listen, I'm sorry about that. But yeah, it's pretty much next to Manchester, and I just um, had no idea where where it was made or anything like that. So yeah, you're right. It definitely wouldn't be in my top hundred for sure, mate. Obviously, when you do arrive over there. You know, Salford, it's not a glamorous club over there. They are in a relegation battle. And, you know, for those that aren't um, aware of how that works in the Super League, essentially you're battling to try and stay in the top league, aren't you? It's kind of like the Premier League football. If you finish bottom, yeah, um, a chance of getting relegated too. So it's the bottom it's the bottom four of Super League and the top four of um, the championship playing. Uh, it's called the bottom eight. So you play seven games. Um the two lowest ranked opponents. So the bottom Super League club and the top championship club play a thing called the uh, million pound game. The winner, so if you're the winner of that game, you either go up or down. So depending if you're in Super League or championship, obviously. And um, Salford were pretty worried about their chances of being in that million pound game. And I got over there the game before we played Leeds um, in the last game of the regular season. Um, had a 20 minute cameo. It was probably the best 20 minutes of my whole career. I, um, 
yeah, I, I lit it up that game, and and from that moment on, the fans just jumped on the jumped on the Jackson Acing sort of bandwagon and, and just backed me to the hills, and it just gave me so much confidence. Now I was playing for a club that not only believed me believed in me, but a fan base that just loved me and adored me, and um, they put so much time and effort into singing my name, and and I gave a lot of time and energy back too. So it was almost like the perfect partnership. And out of that, we almost went undefeated. Um, we lost two games along the way. I got red carded. Um, against Toronto Wolfpack I'd done a head-eye tackle and got two-week suspension we lost both those games and we had to beat Toulouse um, definitely like cement our spot in Super League for the 2018 no 19 2019 season and um, we did that emphatically and, and Luke Burgess was retiring and, and things like that too so it was just a great night and um, I felt like I achieved something that year you know what I mean like we're talking about my life falling apart and and not knowing if I was ever going to play again, to I felt like the end goal was a, was a success. And um, I look back on that year with more fond memories and disappointment. And, and that's something I'm really proud of and really and really grateful for, for the Salford Red Devils. And I re-signed on with them for um, 2019 season. I um, sort of turned down Wigan. I felt like I owed the club a bit of loyalty for them digging me out of the mud, so to speak. And, and give me an opportunity to play professional rugby league and at the highest level possible for myself. And um, I repaid them and, and wanted to give them a full year of, of Jackson Hastings. And yeah, we went all the way to the big dance and, and fell, fell that game short. So remarkable how it all sort of flipped on its head, mate. It was just, um, I remember during that year, Andrew Voss tweeted me and I sort of like, was like, fucking hell, Voss is tweeting me. And he just said like, you could write a book on your last year. And when I sit back and I'm talking to you now, mate, you could, you could write a pretty cool book on like Jackson Hastings from 18 to 25 would be um, be for interesting reading. That's for sure. But I'm just proud that I've been able to turn my career around and, and just let go of the past and, and just be a very, like I'm a way happier person and, and, I'm, and I'm grateful for Salford for that. Mate, you said, um, oh, well, we went all the way to the grand final. Uh, quite, quite modest of you. What were the odds of Salford being successful that year, let alone making it to the grand final? So we got shown a um, like an odds, an odds thing, and we were like million to one to make the top four, like which is like their finals. They do a top four. It was us and London Broncos were like they're like a zero percent chance of making it. And then like there was a vote before the start of the year on who would come last, and we we got the most votes. So I remember um, we sat down in in our room there at Salford, and there was a whiteboard and. And we we're beating around the bush a little bit. It was a players-only meeting, and we we're like, "Oh, what do we want to achieve out of this year?" People were like, "Oh, be consistent, or um, not come last, and things like that." And I just, I, I just said, "How about let's fucking win the comp?" And everyone looked at me a little bit funny, like, "What do you mean? <laughs> like, how are we going to do that?" And it's just sort of like um, that's where we go back to this confidence thing. Whereas people would say it's arrogance or whatever they want to think of it. That's just how I always approach it. I mean, like. I just said, we've got 17 blokes that are going to play. They've got 17 blokes that are going to play. Why can't we beat these teams? Like, why can't we do something special and write our names in the history? And easy for me to sit back and say that now, but that was a true conversation that happened. And I think, you know, we just, we started off like a house on fire. We won our first two, then we lost our next three. And then towards the back end of the year, we went on like this 12-game run towards the grand final. Um, we got beat by Wigan in our first semi-final, where I thought we should have won. Then we beat Castleford 20-0 at home, got another shot at Wigan, beat them, and then got all the way to Old Trafford. So it was just, 
yeah, it was a crazy year, mate. It was just that, that's probably my um, one of my favourite years of football ever, and I, it'll be hard to sort of beat that for sure. Going from a team that nearly got relegated, tipped to come last, and to make a grand final in the same year was was epic. It was crazy. And mate, um, I know you're a humble fellow, but uh, you, you pick up a bit of silverware yourself. Not a bad gig. Yeah, well, yeah, I was extremely fortunate. I've said it to a fair few people, and um, without trying to sound modest, it's just obviously winning the Man of Steel was was a massive honour and privilege, and I'm extremely grateful for it. But you'd give it back to win the comp. Um, all I've ever wanted to do as a kid was was lift a, a premiership trophy above my head and, and have them memories and have a ring on my finger and and things like that too. But obviously fell short in that and yeah the man of steel is great and it's an honor to be recognized as the best player in that competition for that for that year but um that's probably something i'll look back on in 20 years time and go geez you had a great year then but i'd swap it i'd swap it for two premierships if you know what i mean too so yeah and then following that was lucky enough to go on the great britain tour obviously we didn't play uh great football and, and we got beat and we it wasn't the best tour in terms of rugby league wise but getting to mingle with some of the, the best players in the game. Obviously, James Graham, Josh Hodgson, Elliot Whitehead, John Bateman, just to name a few, um, to play with them boys. But then also to like get to know them on a deeper level and what makes them tick and how they become such great footballers as well. To get coached by Wayne, um, someone I'd known for a while but never had too much to do with, was great as well. So it just capped off what was a good year. Obviously, we would have loved to win all four games, which we didn't. You can't turn back time, but had plenty of lessons and experiences along the way on that trip too. So I'm just grateful for 2019. It was um, one of the best years of my life, which could have been um, one of the worst in 2018. So it was just funny how everything works. If you, if you just work hard enough and you dedicate yourself to the cause, mate, and um, just really, just really um, grateful that I got the chance to go to England and, and have those life lessons. I'll ask you about Wayne Bennett uh, in a moment, mate, but just, yeah. The, the you know the sole purpose that you actually played for Great Britain was that a hard decision for you to make? Obviously, you know if you would once again let's go back to eighteen year old Jackson Hastings. If I said you'd be playing for Great Great Britain in a couple of years, like you would have laughed at me, yeah. you know. Yeah, you know the, the thing about it is, mate. My nana, um, my nan always as a kid said, "Oh, like I'd love you to play for England one day and all this." And you sort of sit back and and I was like, "Oh yeah." Like you didn't take too much notice of it until my nan passed away um, about four years ago. We really dove into our English her- English heritage and and how strong that was and the connections to to um, the English culture that obviously my nan's side of the family had and, and it runs pretty deep to be honest in like world wars and things like that too. So I got a greater sense of what it meant to be an Englishman. Although yes, I'm born and raised in Australia. I um. I knew the national anthem. I knew all sorts of things about the country that I never thought I'd know. And, um, yeah, obviously um, there was a fair bit of talk about that tour. And, you know, at that stage of my career, I just thought I was ready to play international football. And I wouldn't have done it if I wasn't going to throw my heart and soul into it. Like, I didn't want to go on a tour if I didn't care care fully enough about it or I wasn't fully committed to the cause. But I was and I proved my, my eligibility and, yeah, I was extremely proud when I got to run out for the Lions and sing the national anthem and, and stand toe-to-toe with my, with my teammates and, and face the hucker and things like that too. So it's a massive cultural experience. Um, it's completely different to the way Aussie football is and, and the way even living life is. It's um, it's quite cool actually and I feel like I'm embedded in that culture now and, and feel really a part of it. Mate, obviously uh, there was a lot of controversy around that and of course... Um one of your 
Uh, one, one of the players over in England at the moment as well, Blake Austin, he made the same decision. Did the two of you have any discussions around that time? Did one go first, the other one followed? Was there ever, ever any conversation there? Well, um, no, there was never any conversation there. Actually, my coach, um, Ian Watson, pushed me to play in that 2018 series um, when England beat New Zealand in England. Sort of fell on deaf ears a little bit, and I don't think people really took me seriously. But, um, yeah, no, I think Blake was actually first. They were doing these England sort of um, training camps where um, they'd meet up and do like a, a skill session or something. I don't know. I wasn't involved in it because I never really dove too deep into it. But I think Blake went first, and he sort of made the jump. And, um, yeah, no, we had no discussion about it. It was no, or oh, should we do this or plan move? Um I think we both just backed ourselves. If we were good enough, we we're going to get picked. And at the end of the day, Blake had a stellar year. Um, he's he's been a breath of fresh air for Super League. The way he plays, obviously a great attacking player, and uh, puts bums on seats. And you know, big strong athlete, and um, he's played some great football too. And he got picked, and then I got picked as well. So it was just one of them where no, we had no discussion about it. We we're both just very fortunate to get picked in the side. Tell me about Wayne Bennett, mate. What sort of an effect did he have on you? Uh, just gave me a completely different outlook on life and, and the confidence he showed in me and, and the time he put into me and, and the way that he handles his players away from rugby league is probably the thing that I got out of it. Obviously a very serious man when it comes to the sport and done some great things, but you hear all these stories about Wayne and how he's a bit of a larrikin and, mate, he sits on the back of the bus. He, he wants to hear stories and he wants you to turn the music up. He wants to sing. But then as soon as we get the training, it's like... Wayne Bennett, like, you better listen to him. He's the greatest coach the game's ever seen. And unfortunately for, for him, we sort of let him down and didn't play our greatest rugby. But at the same time, a person that's ever been coached by Wayne loves and respects him for, for what he is away from rugby league, I think. I think you know what you're going get, to get from him in a rugby league sense. But away from rugby league, the fact that he knows who your parents are, um, what your sister's names are, where you went to school and how much he actually cares about your way from rugby league and, and wants to know if you're all right. You know, that, that separates a good coach from an all right coach. And I think that's why he's been at the top of the game for so long. Like I even messaged him, you know, I'm a blue at heart and I'm a blue through and through and I wish New South Wales won the series, but you know, seeing him go back and, and defy the odds and after he copped it for us, not going so good for Great Britain, I just said, Hey, Bentos, well done, mate. Congratulations. And he sent me a long message back saying, you know, I've watched you from afar this year. You know, you played really well. If you keep working on this, you, you'll be able to do this better. And just like he, that just proves to me that he actually did care about me as an individual. And um, yeah, I've got all the time in the world for Wayne and, and got a lot of respect for the man. Mate, I think there's a lot of negatives. There's also a lot of positives. There's a lot of, a lot of negatives to come out of social media. But personally, I think the best thing about social media is that it's given the average NRL fan an insight to what Wayne Bennett's like in the change rooms. Like he's, he's got yeah. all this aura built up around him. And then you see him in the bunnies change rooms, dancing, getting his ass slapped, you know, dry helping Cameron Munster. It's just, it has just been fantastic to see over the last, you know, couple of months. And I mean, what is he 70 plus now? It just, it's unbelievable. It's so good to see as a rugby league fan. Yeah, mate. He just, and, he, and he, he's old school in his approach. Like he's not one of them people that'll stop you having a beer. Like the choice is on you to have a beer, but you better turn up to train and train 100%, or you're going to get the ass. You know what I mean? Like he just want to. He puts a lot of emphasis on his players, but he gives a lot of players ownership on on not only training sessions but performances and reviews and stuff like that. He's very old school in that approach, but 
as I said, when he talks, everyone listens. But yeah, you know, mate, like he still trains in the gym. Like we would come in off the field and, and go to do a weight session. He, he's in there benching 10 each side and like doing laps around the field on captain's run. Mate, he's just a, he's just a great man. The legacy that he'll leave, leave behind is crazy. And um, I'm just glad I'm one of the hundreds of people that can say they've been coached by Wayne Bennett and got a relationship with him. Now, mate, soon after you have the opportunity to join the Wigan Warriors and uh, obviously one of the proudest and strongest clubs over there in England, how did that opportunity come about? As I said, I turned them down the year before. I just felt like I owed Salford another year and the loyalty that the club had shown me and the way they had helped me navigate through on and off the field was um, a massive a massive factor in me staying. But then I had to make an op- um, sorry, I had to make a decision um, of where I wanted to take my rugby league, and I thought going to a club like that would give me the best opportunity to become an even better player, um, surround myself with some of the, the best that the English game had to offer, and and a club that was obviously um, driven by success and and quite powerful. I'd probably compare Wigan and St Helens to probably the Roosters of of the world in England in terms of you know the way they're seen, um, the way they're expected to compete, um, just everything about the club and. Um, yeah, I sort of just had had a few interests from a couple of clubs and I just thought for my career, I just needed to keep developing and I thought that was the right place to do so. Mate, obviously this year uh, you've got you got two new players joining there and uh, one's Johnny Bateman. Obviously, he's been with the Canberra Raiders the last few years. My podcast listeners will know that we've had Brett White on a few times, the Canberra Raiders assistant coach, and, mate, the way that he talks about John Bateman is unbelievable. He just seems to be yeah. one of those culture-changing sort of guys. Yeah, yeah. well, I got to play a buddy on the GB Tour and he's just one of them that loves a good time off the field and he loves a good time just at training and playing cards or just going to get an like, he's just a, He's just a funny lad, man. Like, he, I don't know what he's saying. I can't understand him, but like, I just <laughs> giggle with him because he's, he's that funny. But when it comes to on the field, he's just another one. A bit like what we talk about with Jim Maloney. He could flick the switch and he's just a million miles an hour. He's unorthodox. He's like mong strong, like, he doesn't. He's got no muscle anywhere, but you just fend people off, crease blokes. Like if there's a ball on the ground, he's going to be first to it. His rugby knowledge is actually very smart. He's got like a high IQ of the game, so he's going to bring a lot to to Wigan. Obviously, um, we're losing Sean O'Loughlin, so he's he's sort of got to fill that gap for us and, and bring a lot of like energy and enthusiasm, but experience as well. And then obviously the second bloke you touch on, Jay Field, who's been a mate of mine since we were like toddlers like I've known him my whole life and we're both from um, well I'm from really from Shalaba so we're from five minutes away and played a lot of local footy with each other Oztag touch all these sort of things too so I think he's going to bring a little bit what Bevan French brought that pure excitement and if he can produce anything what he can um, what he's half capable of I think um, we've got two really good signings there Mate, uh, the same thing with French. I remember when he signed to go to England, I just remember thinking, oh, there's no way that bloke can't be a success over there. And Field, I'm looking at him exactly the same way. You just know he's going to be an entertainment machine. I mean, with the three of you in the spine, I mean, you still got to find a spot for Thomas Lulaway in there. It's going to be an exciting machine. Yeah, mate, for sure. Like, we've got so many different options. I think, um, look, if if I keep putting weight on, I could be playing at 13. Like, (laughs) I could get pushed pushed to the back of the scrum the way it's going, but... Yeah, we've got so many different options. Obviously, Jay can play fullback. Um, Bevan can play out wide. Jay can play six. I can play seven. Tommy can play seven. I can play six. Me and Tommy can both play nine. Like there's, We've got so many different options. But I think once you've got Jay Field and Bevan French on the field together, it's siren sounding, you know what I mean? Like We can come up with all different sorts of play for those two. And I think um, 
if one of them get in the clear and shut the gate. So we're looking to score some points next year, I think, Wigan. I think we can really put a squad together there that can produce some produce some um, try scoring opportunities. And I think that um, Jay and Bevan could have a field day if our forwards get on top. So we've got players like Zach Hardacre and Oliver Gild out there in the back line too that are just speed machines. And then um, we've got some really young, exciting forwards as well too. So... Yeah, hopefully it's exciting times ahead. Now, mate, uh, we, we've, been, we've been talking for a long time here and I've been waiting this entire time to ask you, are you coming back soon? What, what What's the deal, mate? For me, I'm looking around the NRL and there is a lack of quality sevens in the NRL. You've gone over to England, you, you've gained a heap of experience, you've gone through hell in the NRL, you've learned a heap from there. It must be time soon. Uh, it's, it's a question I get asked a lot and obviously I've got to respect the club I'm at now and and put everything I've got into my next season at Wigan and, and whatever happens from there happens. I, I never wanted to burn a bridge or, or close the door on coming back to the NRL, that's for sure. Um, this is where I'm from. This is where my family is. And I always said one day that I probably would, if the opportunity arose at the right time in my life and, and in my career, I'd definitely look at coming back. Um, for me, that would have to be the right club as well. Uh, me and you touched on this before we got on here. You used I don't want to come. I never wanted to come back for the sake of saying I'll come back. If I was going to come back, I wanted to come back and I wanted to make an impact on the team I was going to come back to and help contribute, not just be another player in the, in, in the team. So I think we both touched on again. Um, a lot of halfbacks are coming off contract um, soon, and you got you got to want teams to want you as well. You can't just click your fingers and, and end up at a spot too. So, you know, um, if the opportunity arises after. Um, my Wigan contract's up, I'd be silly not to look at it. And, um, you know, I've probably got a chance to, to right a few wrongs and and not not prove people wrong. I'm not about proving people wrong. Like, you're going to get hate and doubt and all that shit from everywhere. It's about proving yourself right and proving that you can do it at a high, consistent level too. So that's something that's always been in the back of my mind. But, um, yeah, I'm not 100% sure as of yet, but in the near future, you, you possibly could see me back here and, and if I do, hopefully it's successful as half as successful as what I've been in England, I'd be happy. But at the moment, I just want to hopefully win a comp for Wigan this year, hopefully continue playing good, successful footy, stay healthy, keep enjoying not only playing but life in general. It's been great to go over there and experience something new. And, um, yeah, who knows what the future holds. But um, I appreciate you saying that because, um, yeah, you know, it's just it's, it's nice hearing that from someone over here. And mate, obviously, when you you know, eventually, hopefully, when you do return, are you returning as a halfback? I mean, I I feel like there's the potential for you to get caught in you know a bit of a utility role here and there. Are you coming back as a seven, as a six, as a one? Where where do you think you you would play your best footy in the NRL? Yeah, probably not one. I think one. I'm too heavy for a start. I'm 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 100 to 101 kilos at the moment. I'm way too heavy, not fast enough, and. One's a specialist position at the moment. I think if you look at the top tier ones, you've got to you got to be on every single play. And I don't, I just don't think I'm quick enough to be back of those sweep lines or or pushing up the middle or doing what Tedesco. And like I can't, I don't think I could do that at a, at a high quality level. So I'd probably wipe that out the window. But I suppose depending on who my halves partner is, obviously playing in the halves or. Or maybe if someone needed a hooker, I could play hooker. Um, if someone gave me a full preseason at nine, I think I could do a, a pretty good job there and, and be consistent every week. But as I said, it's got to be the right fit first in terms of where you want to play and then the people they already have in the squad and what the coach wants and if they believe in you or not too. So, yeah, I'd probably say a seven or a nine if I was going to say anything to you, mate. But, um, 
yeah, at the moment I'm playing a lot of seven. I played a fair bit of footy at nine for Wigan last year as well. Uh, half an hour spurts to give um, Sammy a rest. So I'm not sure, mate. Um, I don't want to keep growing because I don't want to, as you laughed at on Instagram, I don't want to have to go to 13, that's for sure, and take it up. So I don't <laughs> want to be increased every game. So Miss me with that uh, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, I'll be ball playing. I won't be taking no hit-ups, that's for sure. But yeah, probably uh, seven or nine, mate, I'd say. Mate, I really appreciate your time. And I think, unfortunately for you, regardless of what you do, there's always going to be people out there that are going to put shit on you. They're going to hate you. I think you're always just going to be a polarizing figure. But, mate, I can't tell you how much I appreciate just your raw honesty here. Um, I've obviously asked questions that probably weren't easy to respond to. But, mate, I, I respect you so much for your honesty and just how you own up. You've copped the shit you've done wrong and you've learned from it and you're willing to move on and just want to be a better bloke and a better footballer. And, mate, I applaud you on it. No, I appreciate you having me on. I just think, like, for me, mate, I've always owned uh, my mistakes. And I think the thing that, like, I hope there's a young person that, that watches this and that's made mistakes and has been told they're cocky or or they're fucked up and, and they're feeling down and, and think there's no way out of, of doing something. But I think if you just learn from it and you take on board why people are saying certain things to you and you stay fully committed to the cause, only good things can happen. And, you know, I'm still not the finished product. As you said, there's still people that aren't going to like me or, or respect me and things like that. And that's fine. I can't I can't force people to do that. But what I will be doing is continuing to try and improve as not only a footballer, but a human being too. And hopefully one day people can look back on my career and say he went from being a, a bit of a brat to a role model. And if that's what, what people remember me for, I'll be, I'll be stoked with that too. So I appreciate your time, mate. Um, really good to talk to you and um, hopefully can catch up soon and have a beer and have a bit of a laugh, but yeah, really appreciate your time. All the best during the holidays, mate. I hope you enjoy it uh, with your family and with your grandfather as, as well, mate. Uh, all the best when you go back to England and look forward to seeing you in the NRL over the next few years. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. Have a good one. Thanks, brother. See you, mate. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.